Hey there, Tom. Oh, hi, Nigel. Why the long face? You're the front man for one of the greatest bands in the world. Well, it's just that my favorite podcast about Radiohead, Someone Listening In, has ended the regular run. Ah, yes, Someone Listening In. The only podcast about Radiohead. It's no secret that the whole band loves the podcast. It's all we listen to on the road. Hell, I'm just your producer and even I love it. I know. It's the greatest podcast that's ever existed. I'm just so sad it's gone. And they say they'll only come back if they have more of my music to review. Ah, that's why you're upset. Hmm. I know what'll lift your spirits. Let's get in the studio and record a new album. That way they'll have to come back and record another episode. Well, I haven't written anything and that would cost us thousands of dollars. But if it'll bring back the podcast that I'm in. But they don't always love my solo material, Nigel. Maybe we should give them some Radiohead news as well. Perhaps you're right, Tom. What do you have in mind? Well, you know my mini-disc that has the OK Computer Sessions on it. What if we made up a story that someone stole those tapes and ransomed them? And then we say that we release the tapes for charity instead! That would be news so big they'd have to bring the podcast back. But Tom, we've built our career on being independent and never bowing down to what the public wants. Now you want to create a fake news story just to bring back the podcast? To lie to our audience? To the world? That would betray the integrity and respect we've built our entire legacy on. I'm in. Let's do it. You are now listening to Someone Listening In, a podcast about the musical group Radiohead, by Mike Driscoll and Mac Hoskins. What's that? Who's there? Welcome to another episode of Someone Listening In. Yeah, you thought we were gone. We had to do it to him. Um, As always, I am Mac Hoskins, and joining me is Mike Driscoll. Mike, how you doing? Oh, I'm so good. To, I'm so glad to be back, Mac. This is great. Haven't haven't talked haven't talked to you since the last episode, so uh, we got some catching up to do. Yeah, our relationship is strictly professional. <laughs> we're not friends anymore. We were, and then when we started the podcast, we said let's change it to only business. Well, well, tell you what, give a give the listeners an update on where you're at in life now before we get started. Oh yeah, so man, how long has it been? Maybe two months, something like that. Maybe a little less. I don't know. It, it hasn't. It, it hasn't been like as long. Longer than that. It hasn't been as long as I thought it would be. Honestly. Um. Um. So yeah, I uh, my job uh, ended as I think it ended. Oh, I think it ended right when we did our last episode. Um. So that was what end of April, beginning of May, something like that. Um. And, and so, now that we have a new episode, you have a new job. Well, you might think that. Um, <laughs> I don't. I uh, I'm focusing on doing some freelance stuff. Uh, so get my website ready. I just uploaded a new uh, demo reel to my website that I made, set to uh, Aphex Twin is Us," one of my favorite tracks, and uh, got a new sample of Ollie, my musical, on there on my website, MacHoskins.com. Getting my plugs in early here. Wasn't the Aphex Twin track? Wasn't that a film or flim? No, it's is us. It's the last track on. Oh uh, no! Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. You're right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. Uh. Yeah. I'm focusing on that. Doing. Uh. You know. Some. Uh. I'm making making some money in the meantime, but. Uh. You know. Still looking at opportunities, but I think I, I think I'd like to go into some freelance stuff, and I'm getting some. Uh. 
some work, but it's one of those things that, you know, takes time, uh, making, uh, making connections and, uh, getting your name out there and everything, which I I'm doing okay. And I'm, I'm starting to pick up some, some jobs here and there, but, uh, uh, you know, it's a process. Uh, wh- where are you in life? How have you been these last couple of months or so? Oh, it's been pretty much the same, same old music therapy gig. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not, not a whole lot new. Uh, I'm ashamed to say that the album that I've been claiming to be working on, I have not yet started on, but this weekend I'm hoping to uh, make some progress. Oh, wow. Hey, uh, the album I've been talking about working on, I finished a track and I just started the second track a couple days ago. Uh, rub it in, why don't you? <laughs> hey, well, when you don't have a job, you can uh, waste your time on stuff like that. Not waste your time. I wasted five years of my life on a, a music endeavor called a bachelor's <laughs> of music. <laughs> oh man. Well, um, everybody. So we're back. We said it was going to be the end. If Radiohead ever puts out something else, uh, we would, we would come back and talk about it. We, we said this in our last episode and, uh, I don't think any of us thought it would be so soon. No, but it's here, baby. Yeah. There's a couple of big ticket Radiohead, uh, releases out out just in the last month two two big things um so you know as early it's 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 sooner rather than later and after this you knows how long it'll be uh before before we have another episode or i would i'm gonna guess right here on the air that it will be at least five years five years yeah Hmm, i bet it will be two years all right um well moonshade pool is like almost three isn't it or maybe it's two years old well, I guess. Uh, I mean, that's hard to say. I mean, that's a good point because. Yeah. Well, okay. I guess when I said five years, we just talked about a moonshape pool recently, so I kind of felt like I was starting from there. But maybe I, I'll yeah, say yeah. five years from a moonshape pool, which would be two years from now. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So you know, especially in this like kind of uh, starting kind of the back half of their career, Radiohead's releasing stuff. Uh, more few and far between, and um, so we we certainly did not expect these uh, these new releases, which we'll get into in a little bit. Um, in fact, let's get into one of them right now. So uh, this is our segment, the Daily Mail. Did we just make a theme song on air? Somebody clip that. Mac, you're the one that clips. Somebody clip. You are the one that clips. I'll clip that and use it in the next episode. You got I, it. <laughs> I've been listening to, uh, I, I don't want to do a whole sidebar here, but I've been listening a lot to uh, Tim Heidecker's Office Hours, and, he, and he'll say that a lot. Anytime there's something funny on air, there's somebody's here, Tim will go, okay, somebody clip that. Like That's they're so- not in charge. <laughs> like <laughs> some fan has to clip that and send it to you. <laughs> it's a good That's podcast, great. by the way. It's super funny. Yeah, I've listened to it a little bit. I like that. I love that guy so much. Oh, other side note. Did you... Okay, this is just the same thing. Did you know that uh, Doug Poundhouse... Have we talked about this? Uh, Doug Lusenhop is yeah. the co-creator of those G.I. Joe PSAs? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you Well, you mentioned that to me when you learned it, I think. Oh, did I? Okay. Yeah. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> I've, been, I've been listening to podcasts more. That's That's an update. Yeah, yeah. Uh, love Tim and Eric. I love podcasts. Um, anyway, so this is the Daily Mail. This is our segment on um, 
the latest happenings with Radiohead as uh as uh we have uh we have some fresh news hot off the presses. Um an event that I think happened uh, uh maybe two and a half, three weeks ago at this point. Um Mike, do you wanna give people a little update on uh these uh these leaks, these Radiohead OK computer leaks? Um yes. Um I I I, I wanna talk about this, but first I wanna touch on it, you know, so Typically, in these episodes, we talk about the current events of... Uh, oh, no, this is the Daily Mail. I guess we're not into what was... Uh, never mind. <laughs> here, here we've, we've been away for ho- however many months, and I'm already forgetting our formula. Never mind. It is the Daily Mail time, so I will read the Daily Mail. Mm-hmm. Um, so, big news in Radiohead. It was pretty much plastered all over Facebook and Pitchpork for uh, quite some time. Pitchpork? Uh, pitch, pitchpork. Pitch poor, pitch perfect, mm. pitch fork. I wish somebody would pitch me some pork. I'm hungry over here. <laughs> um, so Radiohead, apparently, without us knowing, I, I mean, which makes sense, they had a long uh, catalog of unreleased material that was hacked by some asshole individual yeah. out there. Uh, blame either the Reddit users or 4chan users out there. I they, uh, they're kind of skeevy, schemey individuals, so I would uh, point the finger at one of them, first of all. Uh, anonymous, we're looking at you. Um, but so, hours, I believe, 16 hours of Radiohead material of just, like, scrap takes, um, demos of things, some of which were demos of songs. I, I believe only a couple were songs that have just, like, never really been heard before but never really amounted to anything um but primarily the most interesting thing is uh earlier demos of songs that we do know um Mm. and to be honest i mean 16 hours i really you know i got excited about it when i heard that there was going to be all this material that wasn't going to be released and i started listening and then realized very quickly that no matter how much i love this band I am not a crazy person, and <laughs> I do not have 16 hours to dedicate to just random snippets of music here and there, uh, and the, the novelty wore off pretty quickly. But, so what I did do was, uh, somebody else did the work for me, uh, notably Pitchfork, who went ahead and I, picked Mike, up... I, I have to stop you. I think it's Pitchpork. Pitchpork pitch went ahead and... Uh, picked out some of the best moments from the 16 hours so if if you want to look up this article yourself uh it's called the best weirdest and most revealing moments on radiohead's okay computer session leaks i i guess we should say that it's it's sessions strictly from around the time of okay computer yeah it's 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 all uh material that was being worked on for that and a lot of, a lot of it is is stuff that ended up on the album some of it is not uh well so surprisingly there's some stuff that uh, well, one one of note, which isn't really news to anybody, um, but so there's things like Nude, which have uh, a little demo on here, True Love Waits, which was before OK Computer, but there's, uh, I'll get into it, I'll, I'll read through these one by one, and then you'll get to realize how how actually kind of incredible this is. So the the first thing they note on here is, 
and just because I gave you the article title, I'm not going to read off the exact timestamps for all these. You can find all these little snippets on there. Um, but just just so we can kind of talk about it on here. The, the first one is Lift, the alternate version. Um, it says the song Radiohead chose not to release is the first single from OK Computer um, because it would make them too big, which we talked about a little bit. This alternate version, I guess, is it's mixed a little bit differently. Uh, it's, I guess, less produced. Um, so it's it's kind of what I'm gathering is the original version of it uh, that wasn't most recently released on OK Not OK, um, but kind of more of a demo version. So there's, there's some subtle differences there. Um, there's a motion picture soundtrack demo, which is more of like a slow release, um, it, like with like the actual band playing in studio. Um, so I, I think that in itself is kind of an interesting thing because that track is not one that really has a whole band playing. It's it's more of just like electronic, more of a collage track. So to hear that as a full band, you know, you might want to check that out. I'll see. Paranoid Android long version, um, and they dis- they describe it as uh, at one point it descends into a kind of dazed and confused psychedelic section with lots of clicks and clacks on the rims of drumheads. So a more jammy version of Paranoid Android. Um, I haven't heard that, but definitely uh, I I can tell that I already like that they they whittled it down to the most important moments of it. A track called "Hurts to Walk." Um, his previously unreleased track is pure yearbook photo material, says Pitchfork and their wonderful poetry journalism. Basic Britpop guitar track. Um, nude, as I previously mentioned, has a solo acoustic version on here. Um, which I'm, I'm personally interested in checking out. Uh, I, again, I, f- I feel bad that I don't know all these things, but like, honestly, who is going to file through all of this material? I mean, uh, thank you, Pitchfork, for doing all this work. Pitchfork. Um, so the nude solo acoustic track is on there. True Love Waits has a full band version. That's cool. Which is another interesting thing. Um, so, you know, compared to the original recording that people knew years ago from uh, EPs and live recordings, and now probably even farther removed from the most recent recording on a moonshape pool, uh, this is probably a new experience. Uh, this one is simply titled Airbag Mellow Version, which I'm assuming just has a lot less of uh, Johnny Greenwood's Max MSP work, less guitar-driven stuff. Uh, again, I'm, I'm making assumptions about this. Uh, I did not listen through all of these moments. Let Down has a slightly longer version. Um, 
So up up to this point, you know, we've talked about tracks that have pretty much been from around the OK Computer time, um, tracks that were written but didn't work on OK Computer, and Nude, which was already known to have been written around the OK Computer time but not used until in Rainbows. And then there is an acoustic demo of Life in a Glass House hmm. at, I, I will give this timestamp, it's uh, MD119 at 38 minutes. Um, there is a an acoustic version of Life in a Glass House. Uh, so I'll definitely be checking that one out. And then the last two on here are tracks I've never heard of, and they're just acoustic demos. The first one is Maybe This Is Love, uh, and then It's Gonna Be Done. Um, so, I mean, check those out. I mean, if you're expecting to find some like really amazing material um, that, you know, might like blow you away as like this this undiscovered track i i think you're gonna be let down if that's your impression going into this because like these are obviously tracks that radiohead didn't want you to hear because they didn't think that they were up to snuff so i i think it's interesting it's it's a fun little historical way to look at radiohead and see how their progress works but i i wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people just weren't impressed with these tracks because you were never supposed to hear them in the first place so there's probably some cool stuff in here, um, but you know, take it take it with a grain of salt. Like they, and also we should say that um, Radiohead for two weeks when the when the leak first when we first heard about the leak, they gave us two weeks to download it from their website for eighteen dollars, and all of that money goes to climate change protest movements. Mm-hmm. I believe I don't remember the exact organization. Maybe I can find it. It's really quickly. Uh, the organization is Extinction, Extinction Rebellion. Rebellion. Yep. I have it pulled up. Yeah, Extinction Rebellion. Um, so I think you. I don't know if you can still donate on their website, but it this is a cause that Radiohead supports. So if you're interested in climate change research and influencing some sort of change in uh, how we uh, conduct our current capitalist fossil fuel. Uh, intake, uh, you know, throw some money to Extinction Rebellion. Uh, you might not get the album anymore, but you can at least help a good cause. And yeah, this uh, you you can't download this anymore uh, because they only put it up for 18 days. I didn't actually check if they took it down, but I'm assuming it's gone. <laughs> um, I'll check their Bandcamp here uh, since I have the the post pulled up. It's also interesting that Ra- did Radiohead make a Bandcamp for this alone? <laughs> I don't know. I was wondering that. Uh yeah yeah it says uh there's no tracks no tracks on this page so it's gone now uh I mean I'm sure you can you know oh it's it's out there if find you, it online if you want to yeah. spend hours downloading like 16 hours of material which is I, I'm yeah. sure I'm sure you want a lot of bullshit just eating up the space in your computer <laughs> yeah yeah it's 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 18 hours of audio and it's it's all and they kind of they say as much in like the statement they released about this it's it's kind of just like them workshopping songs and like unfinished versions so i mean if you want to hear him play like you know if you want to hear them play airbag for an hour like that's what you're getting on this yeah. is like him working out airbag for an hour which is like interesting and it's like the kind of thing that's cool to scrub through and maybe check out uh some of the points of interest mike noted earlier but but you know it's it's more it's more of like a, a cool it's a cool response to, uh, you know, someone 
uh, stealing this material and ransoming it. And, uh, and then they're saying like, you know what, we're going to like spin this positively and we're just going to put it out. First of all, like take away all this power and do it for a good cause. Also they're, um, the subject of their Instagram post, the title is Walter Sobchak versus Bunny's Toe, which is a uh, <laughs> reference to The Big Lebowski, of course. Great movie. Uh, when uh, Walter saw, when the Lebowski thought uh, Bunny's Toe was proof they had Bunny and Walter was not convinced of the ransom. Uh, I will say, um, it though the one interesting thing in listening to these things is... Um, I, I mean, if you're if you're into this kind of thing, it, it's it's that fun, like kind of humanizing thing to listen to them. You know, this especially for us and the, the fanatics of Radiohead who probably listen to this podcast who really idolize and put this band on a pedestal. Uh, it's interesting to see the humanizing nature. And as somebody who's in a band out there and, you know, the process of workshopping songs and how how so much bad comes before the good. It's interesting to see that a little bit. But I will say, having listened to maybe 30 minutes of it, the novelty wore off real fast. <laughs> mm. And it just became like, uh, this is not interesting, but it's also not supposed to be interesting. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. I yeah. don't it need is, to be yeah, listening to this. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. And um, I I do have kind of one one um, negative aspect of this. It's kind of disappointing. Um so the cover artwork of this download is is a uh, Tom's handwriting of kind of the track list of this tape. And uh, I regret to inform you that Tom York, uh, he misspells San Francisco on the cover. So <laughs> be careful of that when you listen to this. Um, Tom York does misspell San Francisco. He spells it with an S when there should be a C. So, um, you know, maybe they'll have a statement about that coming out soon because uh, you know, uh, well, I'm, no, I'm no sorry. one wants to see that. If it's if it's Tom doing artwork, isn't it Zachariah Wildwood? <laughs> well, sometimes it's Zechariah Wildwood. Sometimes it's uh, Doctor Cheesehead. Uh, there's all kinds of different wacky names. Sometimes he's Mister Magorium. I uh, dude, I, ha- are these real ones? Because I don't remember ever hearing this. Uh, no, only these. So he does. He does a different. So what we're referencing is uh, Tom York collaborates with uh, artist Stanley Donwood on a lot of Radiohead's album artwork, and every time Tom York uses a different, really stupid pseudonym. <laughs> So on uh, King of Limbs, his pseudonym is Zachariah Wildwood, which just sounds like, you know, uh, like a character from like a Lord of the Rings ripoff or something. I don't know. It worked for um, MF Doom. It doesn't work for Tom York. Yeah, yeah, agreed. All right. That's enough of the Daily Mail. Mike, it's time for another regular segment. And this is one that I'm sure people are clamoring for. This is This is kind of how we make our bread and butter with this segment right here. Um, you know, with all the money we make from this. So we got a new album. We're talking about the year in which it came out, uh, taking a little inventory of the times. Um, and our lens of choice through the annals of history is fellow rock band Limp Biscuit. That's right. It's the return of what was Limp Biscuit up to in which we look back on the year in which this album came out. And most importantly, what Limp Bizkit was up to that year. You know, if Mike, I, are you ready? If if I didn't know a little bit about the information you're about to tell us, I would have said like, man, it's going to be really hard to find something for this, this most recent, like two week old album uh, to talk about Limp Bizkit. But 
there's there's some stuff here. Oh yeah. The uh the Limp Biscuit machine is always turning, uh, the biscuits are always baking, and there's always something going on. All right, Mike. The year 2019. <laughs> like a couple weeks ago. <clears throat> yeah. January 1st, 2019. All works published in 1923, except for sound recordings, enter the public domain in the United States. And that just happens every January 1st with uh, with the number of the year moved up. But that happened in 2019. Um, April, Avengers Endgame sets the all-time record for the highest opening weekend gross for a film with $1.223 billion. Now, that's a lot of dough. Well, do you see event? Did you see Avengers Endgame? Dude, I you know what's funny? I've been wanting to talk to you about the whole Avengers thing. Uh, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm I hope that Endgame is the last thing, and not that I have anything against the films, but like I'm I'm kind of I'm done with Disney having this domain over like the film market. Yeah, <laughs> like it sucks. they well, and not to mention Jesus, what did they release this summer? Aladdin, Toy Story four. Lion King is coming out this month in July, July 19th. Mm. Uh, they have another Star Wars film on the way. They just mm. finished their whole Avengers thing. They're mm. they're getting pretty goddamn close to having a monopoly over <laughs> like holiday and summer seasons for movies. Oh yeah. I mean, uh Spider-Man just came the new Spider-Man just came out on Friday, I believe. Like uh yeah. So it 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 sucks. I mean, well, you know, my 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 complaint is just like all of these films have the same voice. It's like the same room full of executives making this. You have creative decisions on these films who aren't, you know, they're not trying to do anything. Uh, well, let me let me rephrase it this way. Their their number one priority is to make money. I'm sure they don't want to make bad films. Yeah. Anyway, that's well, neither here nor there. Well, but let me let me answer your, your question again because I I have no problem with the quality of the films. I, and I should say, so I, I I went back and I recapped like what what Marvel films did I see? I saw Iron Man one and two. I saw uh captain america i saw civil war which was bad it was a bad film uh man that, people that, i haven't i haven't seen that but people love that movie that that is one that literally well, me and ellie walked out of because it was so bad i i barely ever do that when i see a movie and i literally walked out on that film it was what did so you not bad. what did you not like about it 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 was like so <laughs> we're not doing a film review I, i'll sum it up as like it was so like it it didn't feel like there was any substance to it and it really and, and granted i you know i haven't seen all of the films but i think that that's also an indicator of a problem if like if you're really going to make that many films there at least has to be like a place where you can jump in and say like okay like am i going to enjoy this without all this like spending money on every single one of these films and mm-hmm. i feel like i i knew enough going into it though that i still understood the plot so you know, take take what I say with a grain of salt. Like, I haven't seen every single one of these films. But this one just had no substance. And it, like, the reason for the Civil War felt like such a petty thing. And then it was just leading up to this battle, which was like, okay, here's the big scene. This is what we've all been waiting for. And it was just like, yeah, like, the two, they're just fighting each other. Fun. Mm. I guess I can imagine what it's like if these two teams fight each other with their superpowers. And then it fucking ends how you would think it would. It was just so bad. Like there, there was nothing interesting. It didn't feel like it pushed any. It's it felt like a side project. Anyways, uh, so that being said, I I have nothing against these films. It, um, I did see Avengers one. 
I didn't see Infinity War, uh, and I did not see Endgame, obviously. Uh, but like, I, I don't know. I, I think that they're probably really, really well done films. And I like the idea of the Marvel universe because comic books really deserve that. Cause you can't just have one film like they did with like the, um, uh, Sam Raimi, Spider-Man, which I, I love those films, but like they, they really deserve a little bit more of, uh, development and universe. And it's kind of an interesting thing to release films like comics, but, but then in practice, it's like okay, we're really beating a dead horse here and you guys are just making a lot, a lot, a lot of money mm-hmm. off of us, which isn't a bad thing, but uh, the, it just felt like there was no end goal. And honestly, I, I love that they called this film Endgame. And I, if they make another film in the Avengers universe, with the exception of Spider-Man, which I think can stand alone, uh, I will be upset if they continue with Avengers because yeah. it, it shows that they have no restraint if they keep going. Yeah. Well, um they're definitely going to keep going. There's like a bunch of movies already slated. Um, Great. Also, Spider-Man's fully part of the Avengers. You know, he's well, fully no, part I, of it. I, I know that he's he one is, of the main the, ones. But both both films are much more standalone than like the <laughs> Captain America films. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I my my main thing is like I think I think all these movies, especially in their sense of humor, which I don't like, they all have the exact same voice, like this smarmy you know, voice of these heroes and, and the sense of humor, they all kind of hit the same beats. They all kind of have, you know, pretty similar aesthetics, uh, lots of CGI. These aren't things I like. Um, you know, if you like the movie, that's fine. I'm, I'm saying my opinion and it's, you should be able to enjoy, uh, but I, I, I'm interested now. Now I want to recount the Marvel movies I've seen. I'm I'll do this quick. I've seen Iron Man, which I like. I've seen the incredible Hulk. I've seen Iron Man too. I've seen Thor. Oh, I saw, Captain- I saw Thor as well. Sorry, I forgot yeah, that. I've name. seen Captain America, the first Avenger, and I've seen the Avengers. So I've seen the entire Phase 1, which is kind of blowing my mind. Um, phase 2. Iron Man 3 I've seen. Um, I didn't even know there was a third one. Yeah, it's not very good. Well, it's okay. Um, uh, there's two I didn't see. The next one I saw after that was Guardians of the Galaxy. And... I won't go too into it, but oh, I that's, the one that, the Galaxy. that's the one that made me stop watching them. Because I, that was one that a lot of people really loved, and I walked out of the theater and uh, did not understand why people loved it. See, I, and, it's not that I didn't understand. I was just like, this is not what I enjoy. That's and, interesting uh, for me because stop seeing them. I I know why you don't like it, but the so in in general, I don't put these films in like a higher echelon of filmmaking. Like I, like if I'm talking about a film, it's because I'm decided to take the time to talk about a film that I really mm. like. And I don't generally put these films in that bracket, but so I, I know why you don't like guardians of the galaxy, but I will say of all of the Marvel films, I like for me, it was like the easiest to jump into because it didn't, it didn't depend on the other ones. And I know that eventually it kind of weaves its way into it. So I did see both guardians of galaxy one and two. Also, I will say I watched it with my mom and like, she's into this stuff. So like it yeah, kind of, it, different. it kind of made me feel good. Like watching these films with my mom. And I, I think they're they're fun. I actually liked the characters. I, I didn't like Star-Lord very much. Chris Pratt, I think, has gotten a little old on me. I, I don't think he's an amazing actor. I liked him in Parks yeah. and Rec, but I think in that role, he was a little... He, he was good, but he was a little weird. Mm. But I think the rest of the supporting characters are like pretty good. There's some funny moments in it. Uh, I, I think I'm more agreeing with you that it's not great, but I'm I'm thinking more highly of it in comparison to the other Marvel movies. 
Yeah, because I'm, sure, I'm sure I don't generally like the Marvel universe. I'm okay yeah, with it. I'm sure there's worse ones. So after Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, I didn't see a Marvel movie for three over three. No, the next Marvel movie I saw I watched was in 2018, so almost four years, and it was Black Panther, uh, which I didn't particularly like. And then uh, after that, I saw Thor Ragnarok, and that's the one that I really like. Thor Ragnarok is great. I like that movie. It's really funny. It's Taika Waititi, great director. I think a lot of uh, like you know, auteur kind of indie directors who do these movie, especially the Marvel movies, they kind of like lose their uh, uh, creative quirks and like you know their their auteur tendencies. And I think that is an exception. And I think it totally feels like a Taika Waititi movie. It's it's great. Hey, what the hell anyway. are we talking about? <laughs> Um, I think we're talking about Limp Biscuit and what the world was like in 2019. Can you remember back to not, 2019? Not, not, not even Radiohead. We have to we have to get back to Limp Biscuit first. Yeah. Uh, but so, yeah. Uh, so I yeah I remember 2019, a good year. Yeah. Um, you might remember on May 24th, British Prime Minister Theresa May announces her resignation as Conservative leader, taking place uh, which took place on June 7th was when she her she. You know, left office. Uh, the Taking conservative leader resigned. Brexit. What's that? Taking her honorable Brexit. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny you say that because uh, she she had to resign in shame after facing a vote of no confidence on her leadership of the Brexit negotiations. She uh, she put some she she spent time on this deal and put it on the table, and it was just soundly rejected. And uh, she uh, you know she um, resigned from her position and. Um, you know, famously was was crying and very sad uh, when she when she had to leave. So I guess what I'm saying is, uh, good things still happen in this world. You know, <laughs> that, this, uh, this... I thought you were about to say we're supposed to feel bad for her. <laughs> oh no, no, she's a horrible, horrible, horrible person, a terrible leader, uh, hugely anti-immigration, ran a bunch of racist uh, ads uh, around around England, uh, targeting areas with high uh, ethnic populations. Uh, you know, she didn't cry when Grenfell Tower burned and a bunch of her citizens, you know, burned alive in this uh, tower. Uh, but she cried when she uh, could no longer have the most powerful job uh, in the country. So, uh, no, she sucks. What a bummer. And, uh, you know, yeah, good things are still happening in the world is, is why I put that in there. Uh, Theresa May sucks uh, and she's bad. Um. So that catches us up to speed this year. Whoa, I think it was, whoa, I disagree, Mackie boy. Well, I think the only thing that, that really happened this year were, let's see, I said the public domain changed, Avengers Endgame, and Theresa May. Yeah, those are the three main things. How about uh, the big old thing in France, Notre Dame? France, Notre Dame, yeah. Uh, uh, Notre Dame Cathedral. And the U.S. almost fucking went to war in the past two weeks. <laughs> mm -hmm. How about that? Literally, around the time of Tom York's release, the U.S. almost entered into another war. Yeah, John John Bolton uh, was was really uh, really pushing for this war with Iran, and and Trump didn't do it. Trump didn't take the bait. Oh, and, bait. and thank God for our President Trump for saving us at the last second. And that's why we love President Trump. <laughs> Read between the lines, listeners. Yeah. America's special guy. Read between the tweets. Yeah. All right. That's, that's um, now mm. I'm just getting drunk and mad. <laughs> Ryan quote. 2019 uh, died Doris Day. Uh, Dr. John. 
Scott Walker, which we talked about on our uh, on one a previous episode. But most importantly, Grumpy Cat died in 2019. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I believe uh, Grumpy Cat uh, died from having too sour of an attitude, having an attitude problem. Is it sad that I know more about Grumpy Cat than I do Doris Day? Yeah, me too. I barely know who Doris Day is. I know she's a Actress? singer. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, well, uh, whatever we said, I'm I'm gonna look it up afterward and dub dub me saying the right thing over it. So we'll cut. We'll just cut this out. What I'm saying. No, right. cu- no, cut whoever said it wrong and just leave the right one in there. <laughs> Maybe I should just leave the wrong one in there. <laughs> Put egg on someone's face. All right. All right. Sure. Um, born in 2019, and you'll you'll find this especially interesting. Um, born in 2019, Archie Mountbatten Windsor, the first child of the Duke and Duchess. Duchess of Sussex and the seventh in line of succession to the British throne. Now, I thought you'd find that interesting. Dude, I don't get how these British, th- like, what? I don't get how these thrones work. Who the heck knows? Wait, so that's not Prince. What the hell is the prince's name? No, this is like a person who's a few months old. <laughs> well, but I, I don't know. I don't get, like, is that the the son of Set- the prince and Meghan Markle? No, it's the child of the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. Se- how was seven? How is their child not next to the throne though? They, this kid is seventh in line. Oh, I mean, they probably are. I don't know how it works. I don't. I didn't. I didn't read anything about them. What? A- <laughs> so he'll be seventh in line until they have more kids, and then he just keeps getting pushed away. Well, no. After the next kid, it would be eighth in line, probably. That was born. I don't. I just it's, it still blows my mind that we even care. <laughs> I mean, I don't care, but it happened. Look, I just thought it would be funny to find someone with a funny name that was born in 2019. <laughs> that's the only reason I put this in here. Well, but now I'm I'm quite because he obviously has more importance than I do in this abysmal world in this mortal coil. Oh, maybe, yeah. Well, con- congrats to Archie Mountbatten Windsor. <laughs> At the time of recording this episode, the Billboard Top 5 songs are Old Town Road Remix by Lil Nas X featuring Billy Ray Cyrus. Can I can I guess one? Yeah. Me by Taylor Swift. Um, Right Artist, Wrong Song. on number, And you're on the number two as well. The one about uh, gay rights appreciation yes. that was a total, totally whitewashed video. Yes, the next song, You Need to Calm Down by Taylor Swift. Uh, is, a, is a number one? It's number two. Old Town Road is number, oh, it's number one. Oh, it's number two. Yeah. Um, number three, Bad Guy by Billie Eilish. Number four, Talk by Khaled. And number five, I Don't Care by Ed Sheeran and Justin Justin Bieber. Is that how you say that guy's name? Uh, so I, I'm, I'm more concerned with... So I, I really feel like I'm getting old in 2019. Is is Khaled DJ Khaled Does, just going by a different name? Uh, no, Mike. Khaled is a completely different artist. Now, I will admit, when I first heard of this Khaled, uh, I thought the same thing. Uh, DJ Khaled is different. Uh, DJ Khaled, I guess Khaled's like an R&B singer, maybe. I don't know. I don't know these Are songs. you supposed to change your name if you have a similar name to it's, somebody else? It's weird. Showbiz? It's weird. Um, so, you know, I, I've, I've never been a big fan of Taylor Swift or Ed Sheeran or Justin Bieber. Uh, I don't know Khaled. Billie Eilish, I kind of like. I kind of like Billie Eilish. And, uh, you know, Lil Nas X is, is kind of cool. I support I support him, Justice for Lil Nas X. Uh, 
controversially taken off of the country billboard charts uh, when his song was just deemed not country, uh, which, you know, is is completely what? bullshit. And... Wait, I have no support for country music, but who is in charge of, uh, like, what music country theorist exactly is like what is there a system there no it's just a completely subjective i mean it's a completely subjective judgment and like, isn't it just based on what you call it like can like what genre does radiohead fall in yeah exactly it's like it's like you know there there are like the reason we use genre you know genre terms are so so an audience or or somebody will can makes you know kind of makes sense of something in their head categorizing their head know what to expect but at the same time genre is defined by the listeners so you know because we're the ones who choose these cat you know we're the ones who choose what we like in these categories and determine what falls into them so this song was just deemed uh it was taken off the charts and deemed not to be a country song um which is you know probably just racist more than anything um because you know florida georgia line I mean, I guess no one's really saying that's rap and it's not charting on rap, but like, it it sucks a lot, you know, looking at those bands side by side. See, this is a problem. This is why we have these genres, because if you don't fall in line with one of those genres, you're not going to be a chart topper. You're going to be a nobody. Mm. Well, anyway, so uh, they made a remix with <laughs> Billy Ray Cyrus. Uh, and that was deemed country enough, I guess, because there's a white guy on it or something. I don't know how they make the judgment. And now it's That's probably it's, part uh, of it. It's now been oh, man. It just set some record, like being um, the longest song at number one on the Hot 100. I think it maybe actually just set that record or something similar to that. So good, good on Lil Nas X. The song has a pretty good video too. Um, you know, it, you know, I'm not gonna pretend it's like the the kind of music I listen to all the time, but I can get behind him and I, I can support Lil Nas X. No, another, another, uh, grandpa question. Mm. Nas, Lil Nas X, any relation to Nas? Uh, not that I know of. I don't think so. God damn it, dude. These names just come on. Just, <laughs> I I'm so out of the loop. You know, Mac, I appreciate that you listen to so much of the, the modern day music. And I, I truly feel like I'm becoming that curmudgeon, but this is oh, like, man. this is getting ridiculous. Oh, I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't even know one of these, what one of these artists sounds like two of them, three of them. I don't care about Billie Eilish is cool. I like, I actually like some of her, some of her songs. Not that I've listened to that super extensively either, but she's cool. You could probably give needle drop a run for his money. <laughs> oh man. Now I'm imagining a you're, parallel you're, universe. You're thinking about it. Yep. <laughs> Silence while my imagination runs away. Well, the, well, the cogs are turning and you're like, oh, shit, I am a filmmaker. I could do I could do better production. <laughs> I could just listen to music more and make money just listening to just music. Just like yell at a camera talking about like, I don't know, the strokes. What I, does he talk about? I'll say I, I, I like him. He usually I usually agree with his opinion. I've which never isn't a good marker of like how how good of a reviewer he is. But I, I think he typically has pretty good points. Yeah. I've never, I've seen one of his videos like a long time ago, but I don't, I, I haven't really seen him really. I, I know. I know. 10 out of 10 is a uh, money store by death grips. Oh, that's so cool. I definitely support that. Yeah. I, I, I like, I see his screen caps all the time on YouTube. That's where as far as it goes, really. He's good. He's interesting. I got nothing wrong with him. Um, has he ever had anything to say about Limp Biscuit? Cause I do. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he has actually i'm gonna look that up after this to see if he All has right. talked about it 
All right, Limp Biscuit 2019. What are they up to? The question on everybody's mind. On Saturday, June 8th, 2019, Limp Biscuit performed at the KROQ Weenie Roast 2019 at Doheny State <coughs> Beach in Dana Point, California. And you can tell that I have definitely read this before. The festival also featured Snoop Dogg, Lumineers, 311, and more. Um, Limp Bizk- Why am I reading this? This is not interesting. <laughs> <laughs> this, is just, this is just about a show they played i don't know why i have this in my notes i th- i thought there was something more interesting that happened recently there or was is, that on- there was a hashtag biscuit for weenie that got them to play this show they didn't want to play they covered ministry they covered the who they covered air raid vehicle wasn't there like a slightly redeeming thing oh that's not a cover <laughs> that's one of their songs um not really. I don't know. What was redeeming? I, you know what I'm thinking of? I, maybe I'm thinking back to the jazz thing. <laughs> that wasn't that long ago. Yeah, that was just a few months ago. All right. Well, there is a, some some actual Big Limp Biscuit news. Um, so, um, on June 11th, New York Times broke a giant story about a 2008 fire at Universal Studios Hollywood lot that destroyed approximately 500,000 master music recordings by hundreds of famous artists. Um, Some that I have here include John Coltrane, Ray Charles, Nirvana, Snoop Dogg, R.E.M., Iggy Pop, Dolly Parton, Weezer, The Who, Beck, Cher, Sublime, Cat Stevens, Blink-182, and The Police. And that's just a small sampling. So 500,000 songs, um, their master tapes were destroyed. We've lost lost those recordings. Um, And Universal tried to cover this up um, you know, that this was something that the New York Times dug up that this fire even happened. So where did Zilm Biscuit come in? Well, I'm glad you asked, Mike. Um, further reporting states that the destroyed recordings were ranked by letter grade, prioritizing certain records over others in terms of how marketable they were. So the highest graded albums were ranked in A, if they were seen as the most marketable albums among the most marketable music that Universal uh, owned and have the tapes to artists graded a included historic figures such as Louis Armstrong, Ella Fitzgerald, Muddy Waters, and Joni Mitchell, as well as best-selling acts of the eighties, nineties, and two thousands, including Belinda Carlisle, Meatloaf, Weezer, Gwen Stefani, Blink-182, and Limp Biscuit. Oh my God. You had me on the edge of my seat wondering if they were going to be in that top yeah. bracket and they fucking yeah. were. <laughs> so, so granted this was in 2000, the list is from 2008 granted. Um, oh, but okay. at that time, Limp Bizkit was seen as among the most profitable um, records that Universal owned um, ranking above Les Paul, Merle Haggard, The Roots and Captain Beefheart. Now we didn't. Now the full list wasn't released by the New York Times, so we can't compare all of them and see like what's the funniest artist that they thought Limp Bizkit was more important than. We can't do that. We don't have the, all the full lists, but those were the artists that they did give us. So, um, you know, Les. Paul. I will say at, at least two of those <laughs> names that you mentioned are dead now. Les Paul is definitely dead. Merle Haggard is dead. Captain Beefheart is dead. Are the Roots dead? Well, the roots, the roots are not. I know the roots are not dead. Oh, are we talking about the same roots? <laughs> You're right. The roots are alive. You're right. Um, They're definitely on every single night. Now that now that I say this, is Merle Haggard dead? I think he died kind of recently. I I know that Les Paul and Captain Beefheart are dead. Yeah, I know. I know those two. I think Merle Haggard Actually, died. I'm pretty sure about Captain Beefheart. 
Captain, I remember when Captain Beefheart died. Yeah, it was like 10 years-ish ago. Yeah, Merle Haggard died just two years ago. Um. Anyway, so, you know, in 2008, Olympus was still seen as on top of the world, and I really hope they can get there again whenever their uh, newest album that they've been teasing for years finally comes out. And of course, we all remember what that album was called, including myself. I don't have to look it up because I know that the album that Limp Bizkit has just been teasing for years. Um, the name of the album is called, oh, I want to say it's called Stampede of the Disco Elephants. That's what it's called. They've been teasing that album since 2012. So, you know, whenever they release that, maybe they'll find themselves back at that A ranking on the list. But Mike, that's that's everything that Limp Bizkit was up to in uh, 2019 by my record. Hey, with any luck, we'll have Breath of the Wild 2 before they release their album. Oh, I hope so. Man, we're we're going really long. It's going to be one of those episodes. <laughs> well, it's the first time we've, like, legitimately, we haven't really talked about much. I know, it's while, fine. We're so. just like, we're just like. Now we're, we're just like catching up on air. This is what it sounds like when we just, you know, hang out. This is fun for me to listen to later. I don't care about <laughs> anybody else. Yeah, yeah, I'm having a good time, you know. Um, All right, Mike. So as always. We have a new record to discuss. You know what that means. We also have a new drink pairing that we've chosen to go with it. So uh, Mike and I have each chosen a drink to uh, pair with uh, the album we're going to be talking about today. Um, Mike, would you like to share your drink pairing with us? Sure. Um, So I feel bad about this because I feel like it's the first time that I'm letting our audience down. Um, We should say that this was very impromptu today. We we had planned to do this this weekend, um, but upon listening to this album and other supplemental material we just decided fuck it let's just do it today mm-hmm. uh and july 4th is tomorrow so i have the day off so we said all right yeah let's just let's go into the night with this so you know i, I have a drink with me i'm definitely getting drunk um but after listening to it the drink that i have really does not pair with this album so I'll give you the drink that I have right now, which is a summer shandy, which is just good to drink in the summer. And it's it's like 95 degrees today, so it felt really good to buy. Uh, but the drink that I would pair with this album is the stiffest, driest martini, <laughs> the classic toothpick and uh, green olive. Uh, because I, I don't know, I feel like it's... Uh, it's got this like high highbrow party dance thing, like you'd go to like the back of a club somewhere where nobody else is allowed in except for exclusive guys and girls, and you know everybody's dancing, having a good time, getting real drunk, and the the guy at the bar is just he's dishing out martinis, and I I for some reason I just have that image in my head. I think that's a good one. Yeah, I uh, you know I was thinking back to. Um... Tom's first album, we talked about that, and I said mine was was gin, cold gin. So I thought about doing something similar, and that you know yours yours is, is pretty close to that. I think his music has the other a, one. I thought the other one I thought was a gin and tonic. <laughs> his music is just uh, reeks of gin, <laughs> and rumor has it so does he. Just kidding. I, I don't um, know that a modern or that uh, tomorrow's modern boxes would have been gin or martini. Yeah, true. But this one to me yeah. definitely is. Well, so my drink pairing. So I did some research. Um, I wanted to find something kind of uh, kind of a little dense, a little little complex, and uh, something kind of dark. So I was trying to find this beer by uh, Deschutes Brewing. 
uh, called the Abyss Imperial Stout. Uh, supposed to be a very complex flavor, a dark beer stout. Um, but I think it's brewed in Oregon. Yeah, Oregon. Uh, Oregon, you know, the state. Uh, and I live in Tennessee, so there we're on opposite ends of the country, and I just don't think that beer exists here. I, I tried to find it. So I got another Imperial Stout. I have Samuel Smith's Imperial Stout. Um, and uh, Samuel Smith is British, uh, like Tom York. So you could argue this fits even better, even though The Abyss is a pretty good name for a Tom York uh, drink pairing. But instead I have Samuel Smith's Imperial Stout. Uh, and it's pretty good. It's 7% alcohol. It's a little strong. I'm just going to have one. Uh, but I like it pretty well. Well, uh, with that... I guess we should uh, raise our raise our drinks. Cheers to Tom. I'm gonna raise my uh, Lion Kugel Lion Kugel Summer Shandy and pretend that it's a martini. And as always, uh, stand by for some sips. Cheers, Mac. Cover your ears. That could have been a sample on this album. <laughs> it's one of those classic Driscoll sips. Well, um, everybody who tuned back in for uh, our new episode has now turned it off after your sipping sounds. I get good remarks on my sipping. <laughs> All right, Mike. Well, should we get into it? Uh, let's get into it. Let's get so into this it. is going to be a, this is going to be somewhat of a two parter today, which is maybe new for us. Yeah, kind of. I th- I think so. So, all right. I mean. You probably know what we're going to talk about here. Um, the newest release by Radiohead frontman Tom York, which just came out last Friday, is with this recording. Yeah, that's right. We're talking about his new solo album, Anima. Anima. Is it Anima? Anima? I don't know. I, um, I see it as anime when I see it first, so I think Anima. I think I think of it Anima because of Final Fantasy X. There's a summon in Final Fantasy X named Anima, but it has like... The first letter in in that summons name is like uh, the A and the E combined, like an Aeon Flux or uh, that Tool album or whatever. Uh, oh yeah, well, well, but do they do they ever say the name of the summon? Yeah, that game has voice acting. They actually say Anima. Yeah, well, he's like he's like the main one of the main antagonists summon, so he's like the main antagonist oh, okay. says the name a few times. Um, but you get him later on, you know, if you're good enough at the game, which I was. Still got to finish 10. Um, yeah. So, uh, so, you know, Tom announced this, I mean, I think maybe just a week before it came out or maybe a little more, but pretty, we didn't have a lot of notice kind of like with a moon shaped pool, just kind of announced it. And then it came out shortly after. Um, and, um, the exciting thing here is, so we have this new album of nine tracks, um, that was written, written and recorded and produced all by Tom and longtime producer, Nigel Godrich. Um, and there is a short film now available on Netflix released in conjunction with the album um, that incorporates um, some of the music and uh, visuals that was directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, um, a director I love, a great director who we've previously talked about his films twice, uh, twice yeah. on the podcast. There will be blood and Phantom Thread, both scored by uh, Radiohead's Johnny Greenwood. And he's also directed some music videos for the band, including uh, most recently he did the video for Daydreaming. So longtime Radiohead collaborator, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, the filmmaker. 
And so we have this new Paul Thomas Anderson short film set to Tom York's music and starring Tom York as well. Um, and a whole new album of music. So, so the, the Netflix thing to me is kind of, I'll say this right off the bat, but I'll, I'll let you talk, uh, in depth about, um, the, the film, but, uh, mm. the Netflix thing to me is interesting because I, I guess I never really questioned like what Tom York's opinion would be of Netflix. I don't know what his movie watching or his, I don't know if he's watching episodes of the office on the reg, uh, which also update they're taking the office off of Netflix. Boo hoo. The net, the office machine is going away. Yeah. Um, but it's like a weird thing where it was like, if he were to release something like this, where would he release it? And I guess Netflix, like Netflix is a great platform for stuff like this. But now I guess I know that he supports Netflix, at least for himself. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a good choice, I think, because it's like you could put it on YouTube or like, I don't know. But it's like I watched it so easily on Netflix. And it's like, I mean, it's a Paul Thomas Anderson, too. So it's like, it's you know, it's not a a small deal that Paul Thomas Anderson has a new short film. Now he's a, a director that, you know, people pay attention to. And, uh, it's a cool, it's a cool platform for it. And I mean, you know, you don't think of Netflix as like the home of short films. I guess that is more of like YouTube or Vimeo, but I mean, it got a lot of exposure cause it had the, you know, the star power behind it basically. Uh, and it's cool. And I got to watch it, you know, on my TV easily. And it was, it's uh, mm-hmm. it's a, it's cool release. Yeah. Very um, accessible for people who, I mean, I don't know how much uh, attention it's going to get from non-Radiohead fans who are going on Netflix. I haven't seen how it's been advertised on there, but yeah, mm-hmm. it is. The accessibility is like kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get it. Let's start this conversation before we talk about the music. Um, let's talk about the short film first. Let's get into it. Mac, um, can I ask you to take it away for two minutes while I go pee? <laughs> yeah, sure. Classic. All right, I'll be right back. Ah, this guy can't even tell us what he thinks about the short film. Uh, the we get we get you know we get to the meat of the podcast. We start talking about the thing. He it doesn't seem like he cares. I mean, do you have any surprise that I wanted to end the podcast working with this guy? <clears throat> uh, Mike should be fired anyway. Um, so the Anima short film is about a fifteen minute film. It's on Netflix. You can watch it now. Um, consists of three consists of three pieces of music from the album uh which are let's see i wrote this down not the news uh traffic and don chorus um and if those names sound familiar to you even before the album came out that's because tom has been playing these songs live previously um a good chunk of these so you know you know if you've listened to the podcast before i'm a i'm a pta head i'm a paul thomas anderson freak um I really, really like this. And I love this idea. Um, so beyond a music video, especially as a filmmaker, I've always really loved like works that it's not just like, you know, um, the music was made for because there was a video they had to have music to, or this video was made because there was music. And we wanted to make a music video where it's like music and film are working in tandem together. And they're like inseparable parts of each other. And yes, this album, you know, was released on its own, but these songs arranged how they are that are set to this 15 minute film. That's its own independent length. And these pieces working together to create like a whole new piece of film that the sound and the visuals are inseparable from each other as they are in any film, but especially in this context of music um, to, to create kind of this just abstract arts for art for art's sake piece um, 
that's gorgeous. That's choreographed. Um, I, I really, really like this idea. I mean, some other things I really like like this. Um, I mean, Kanye West did a similar thing called Runaway for my beautiful dark twisted fantasy that uh, is a little bit rough around the edges, but it has some good moments. Um, Dirty Projectors have a similar thing called High Custodian. Um, but this like idea of like taking, not just making a music video, like a video just made that's go- made to be set to one song, but like taking a few pieces of music together and like making this longer work, this like short film or like experimental abstract piece. Um, and again, when you have like someone like Paul Thomas Anderson behind it, like it's, it's great, you know, um, particularly the very, the first kind of act, it's kind of into three acts based on the three songs. I, I love it so much. I love watching this kind of choreography. Um, you know, it's, it's all just like taking these like minute actions of life and turning it into a dance and like kind of a simple way that, that is so fun to watch. And it's fun to watch Tom who gets really into it and like, uh, has some kind of funny moments, I think. Um, and, um, let's see. It also co-stars I'm back, by the way. Yeah, I know. I just don't want to hear your opinion on this because you abandoned me. Um, I'm trying to find, uh, you know, Tom York's uh, current partner's name, who was the co-star of this short film. I, I was going to ask you about that. I wasn't sure if that was his, uh, lover yeah, it, or it is. if that was just some other actress. Um, she's an Italian actress. I'm going to mispronounce this. Um, it's Dejana Roncione, I think is her name. She, if she's Italian, I'm, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. Um, you, you, I think you added a little bit of your French in there. Roncione. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's, it's, I don't know. Um, also, um, in the film, in, the film incorporates in its visuals, um, projections by the same artist who, um, was present with Tom on the tomorrow's modern boxes, uh, tour. And, Oh, geez. Oh yeah, why she's do the we one not play cello live, right? <laughs> um, gee, why do I never do research or try to write things down? Um, Tariq Dude, Bari, isn't that our fucking thing? Tariq Bari, um, the same. I got, I got no problem with that. Same... I don't need to know his <laughs> his wife's name and all of his other <laughs> relationships. I don't know. There are people who contributed this. We're... I don't want to be We're like judging oh, the art. They don't matter. We shouldn't know their names. I don't know. I feel like we should acknowledge them. What well, we're we're judging the art. We judge what we see. We yeah. know the guy who's apparently at the head of it. I think yeah. that's a good enough job. Yeah. So we, com- complain in the comments <laughs> if you disagree. <laughs> so I like I like this quite a bit. I love the first section. I love it. It's like some of my favorite kind of choreography. Um, second section is really interesting, and that's when like I think the cinematography is you know Paul Thomas Anderson reminding you who he is, just like beautiful lighting um there's some like kind of trick photography in the um in the choreography where uh the camera is at a dutch angle so you don't realize that the floor is actually slanted um it looks like a straight floor so they incorporate that into their dancing um and that section is is really interesting to watch i've only i wish i'd watched this more than once i only watched it once um but i mean again like the the hook here really is the choreography of this thing i think Mm. um like, I mean, it is, it is a 15 minute choreographed piece basically. Um, and then we have the last section that's set to Don chorus. That's kind of a more intimate, uh, close portrait of Tom as he finally reunites with, uh, with his lover. Um, so I, I really love this. I mean, I'm not going to say this is like, 
you know, it didn't blow my mind, but I love this idea. I think it's a really fun thing to do to put something like this out. It's like an accompaniment piece uh, that that stands on its own. Um, it looks beautiful. It's it's a little unconventional. Um, and I mean, I, I wish we had more. I wish that it wasn't so common to just have a music video. I wish like things that broke the mold, even just a little bit like this were a little more common. Um, and that's, 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 I guess my, my whole thing on the short film, I can talk about it some more, but Mike, what do you think about this? Um, so I liked it as a whole. Um, and even from what I was saying earlier, I like that it was like a Netflix release, which, you know, I think it's, it, it demonstrates that, you know, they're not too highbrow to be on a medium like this. Like, like how many comedian specials do you see on Netflix? And there's there's almost like such an abundance of them. But it's like, this is such a good platform for these people. And like, it's a good way to really see like a high production piece of work put on a platform that I think that like sometimes people discredit as like, literally as like the office platform. Like, oh, most people just go on there to watch the office. But like, there's there's some really good stuff on Netflix. And I think that uh, we're now at a point where this this might even be like a landmark for Netflix where a very highly renowned artist is producing something strictly for Netflix. At least I, I believe it's only on Netflix. Maybe you can get it other places. But um, to, to me, I, it's like that's first of all, it was just like intrigued me, like just the this the accessibility of it and like really like not trying to make it mysterious and finding it like tomorrow's modern boxes where you had to pay Bitcoin to get his album. Uh, but like being able to just be, just have a Netflix account and you can watch this material on here. So I, I like that. Uh, the, 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 I, I was excited to see Paul Thomas Anderson. Cause I, I don't know a lot of his films outside of the ones that we've talked about. Um, but do something that isn't a period piece and is more, I, I use this term very loosely, but more experimental in the fashion that it's like, it's kind of a singular thing. It's not, it's not trying to represent something else. It's just, it's like a, it's, it's closed in its own box. It's its own piece. Uh, and the, yeah, the choreography is the first thing that sticks out on, you know, the train ride over there. And I, I I've always loved that, that kind of, I guess you'd call it modern choreography where it's kind of based off of like, existing daily movements so a lot of a lot of like the head drooping uh to me felt like the the representation of like just kind of getting through life but like being half asleep so like your head is like constantly like you're trying to pick yourself up um and the transitions were really good too i i like the little narrative of like the the little case that tom's chasing after the whole time and kind of the ambiguity of it um the so I, I guess Mac d did you mention it's it's kind of it's a three act yeah piece? yeah did it's you... basically it's set to three different pieces from the album uh, mm -hmm. and they're all kind of distinct sections of the film yeah so the first two blend together pretty well and that's that's why I even asked that because it it could almost feel like two acts just in because there's a there's a much more jarring cut from the second to the third act. And the first two kind of blend together pretty well, which isn't, it's not a bad thing. I also don't think it's a good thing though, because it, it, it was a little confusing. And this this kind of starts to get into more the music thing, where the, the music itself, when I, 
when I listened to the album later, I just thought like, oh, this is just, it's just the one track that I'm hearing is just the opening track of the album. And then I realized that it was two tracks. And then I was like, huh, okay, those, those don't sound very different. So like the whole, the whole first one and two just really felt, um, I, I don't know, like they, it, it's, to me, it felt like kind of directionless in that, that there was like a musical change, but it wasn't like a, it didn't really set up the scene any different than what was already happening. Um, but that being said, I, the choreography continues to be very uh, captivating. Uh, you talked about the, the camera work on the sloped, uh, like white flooring. And I thought that whole routine was very interesting. And I, I like the aspect of Tom York being a part of it and, there is already kind of an inherent humor in Tom York, this very uh, stoic, mysterious man being a part of this almost ridiculous dance routine. Um, but the the part that I really liked of it was when there was the cut from two to three where you started getting into Dawn Chorus. And I liked, I, I liked the, the transition into it where you kind of faded into the track and you felt uh kind of like the breath could come back to you uh and then kind of the slow moving around uh i'm gonna say london because all i know of uh britain is the the classic like streets of london type setting Mm -hmm. so i'm assuming that's maybe what they were going for uh but with like the very interesting lighting uh there was a lot of like blue cast on things and even before that there was some very interesting things that they were doing i don't know if it was digital or if it was actually projections um i think it's projections i think that's Tariq bari's stuff i i like i like that even more um because that's i i think that's so cool that they had that whole set for that whole piece that whole second movement and then going into the third movement when you're more in like the city and you have more of those projections on the buildings and things uh, so it's, I mean, it's a really beautiful, I think, like, like color palette's not the right word. Uh, like staging, I think was really awesome. I, I like the, the cinematography is very, very interesting and kind of like the camera movement really follows the mood of each of the pieces. Um, and then they end up on the train uh, and it, it, it kind of fizzles out from there on, but I, I left, I, I, I finished watching the film thinking, okay, that was, I, I enjoyed watching that. I thought that was interesting. I will say I, th- I had the impression that it was going to be longer because to me, it felt like it was advertised as like a true music collaborative effort with film more akin to the likes of like odd sack and like the wall so I was imagining much of a much more robust thing. And, you know, the 15 minute mark is not like a big deal. I guess I was just expecting it to be a little bit longer. Uh, and I, I hate to say this also, but a little bit of my interest in it was also kind of, and maybe this will transition into our next topic. A little bit of my interest was kind of um, diminished by the fact that they were all tracks off of Tom's album because I I guess I also came into this thinking that this was going to be an all original thing where the music was going to work with the film the film was going to work with the music again akin to Odd Sack where it wasn't like one wasn't written first they just kind of collaborated together so at the end of the day it was just kind of like a much longer music video 
Um, very, very interesting, very well done music video, and definitely not like a, a standalone music video, but I, j I was just kind of hoping that it was something a little bit different and more interesting. And I'm, I'm not even talking about the actual music quality yet, but um, I don't know. I, I don't know if you agree with any of those points or not, or what your what your overall opinion is. Um, I mean, I didn't have any of those expectations. I assumed it would be songs from the album because it had the same title as the album. Uh, I I loved it. I just like I I loved watching. Um, you know, and it kind of like harkens back to like, I mean, you know, this is my thing. It's like. Paul Thomas Anderson, we talked about, has like two really distinct phases of his career. And the earlier side is super flashy. The second second is a lot more drab. Uh, and this is kind of like harkening back to like his earlier stuff. It's like super glitzy and like intricate and like, uh, I mean, his cinematography was always great even after, but like this, you know, big lights, like a uh, punch drunk love, I think is what it like reminds me of the most here. Um, so, I mean, I was absorbed in the filmmaking of it a lot. Um and like, I, I, I think the music matches it well. And, um, you know, I didn't, I wasn't expecting it to be, I mean, it pretty much was what I was expecting it to be. I didn't really have expectations as far as the length or anything. Um, but you know, I, I mean, again, like I, I love this concept and I wish there was more stuff like this as opposed to just like straight up music videos, like more, more long form stuff that was maybe more of an emphasis on the art of the video as opposed to like, Oh, this is video we made to match the music. Um, yeah, it's clearly like a realized video piece on its own. Um, I mean, I, yeah, it, it, you know, I, I don't think it's like an incredible piece of work, but I but I really like it and I really especially like the idea of it. So we should point out this is an interesting episode because I think this is the first time that we've talked about something on air that we haven't talked about with each other yet. So I, I really don't know your opinion on either this or the album. Yeah. So my, Mike and I intentionally have not talked about any of this yet. We didn't even have a chance to. I just watched yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> listened to it today. Yeah. Well, okay. So, but I, I, I want to talk about this first because it, we're about to go in the album and talk about these tracks on their own. Um, but I feel like I should at this point give my opinion on how I think the tracks worked in the film. Uh. I think I already know your opinion, which is that you you think pretty highly of it. I hate to say that I'm. I really like the film. I, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of at, at least as far as the music goes. I thought the visuals were awesome. I think it was a very interesting scene. If I had the sound turned off, I think I would have liked it more. <laughs> because I think that these tracks don't do anything for the visuals, and. It's it's kind of it's disappointing to me because if if it were truly a collaborative thing, the visuals would also be working with the music. But I don't really get that the visuals connected with the music, and I don't get that the visual or the music connected with the visuals. And it's like it's tough to say. I, again, I've only I've watched it one time, so I'm I'm really going in cold on this. Um. But it just it just felt like there wasn't there was such a dynamic scene happening and so very little dynamics happening in the music with the exception of, like I said, the jump from the second scene to the third scene, which was to to me the most effective part. But the the first the first like 
two thirds to me really felt like it was it was not at all carefully orchestrated around the scene. It it felt like a dance track happening with some more interesting choreography happening. Yeah, I mean, I think they work. I mean, I think even if there's, you know, there, I think, I think like the, well, we're going to, I'm trying to talk, find a way to talk about this without talking about the music, getting as much into the music. I guess we kind of started. Um, I mean, a lot of it is like dance tracks that don't like do uh, that. That's kind of like all their purposes to me. Um, and I think that's kind of all that it needs to be in this. So, you know, I like, aside from Don Chorus, which has like a really distinctive sound, to me, it was kind of like, yeah, there's like, you know, a beat and a tempo here going on. And yeah, the main event is definitely the visuals. Um, and that's like what I was, you know, drawn to. And like the choreography even like, and you know, the music is a tempo and a beat for them to be kind of set to. Um, all right, should we, should we give our impressions of this album? Of the album music? Uh, the album like like right off the bat we're giving our impressions yeah i think we should right i mean what you want to talk about it one by one i think we should give it overall i don't know what do you think i don't know i guess i kind of agree with that um yeah well i you're gonna get our impressions from talking about it i'm sure so we might as well Mm. just say it sure sure so I'll, i'll let you take it away sure um okay so you know I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't have, I didn't have crazy expectation for this. You know, I didn't love Moonshape Pool. Um, I love Tom's first solo album, The Eraser, but uh, his album, his Tomorrow's Modern Boxes, I don't really care for. Um, Adams for Peace has some songs I really like, but, but that, but that also is not something I've, I revisit often. So I, I didn't, I didn't have really high expectations for this. And um, for the most part, you know, this is kind of in the vein of Tom's other recent stuff. I, I, I think it's okay. Um, kind of like fine. Um, I, I think in some ways it's like, well, the first track especially is like maybe the most realized solo thing he's done as far as what I think he's been trying to achieve with it and the sound of it. Um, but you know, overall, um, this is kind of just like a lot of, I think he's trying to emulate, you know, an Aphex twin kind of thing, like dance music, but it doesn't have like these big crazy hooks or like, um, you know, it's not just like as earwormy. It's like more thoughtful. Um, and I, I, I don't know if he's super successful in doing that. Cause my main takeaway, I listened to this album twice. Um, there's not a lot of hooks here. There's not a lot of stuff that really keeps me listening on a lot of these songs. So, um, yeah, there's a handful of tracks I like. And then there's there's some that I think really do not have a lot going on. Um, Mike, what do you think about this album? Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll keep it pretty simple. I I don't like it. I I don't, I mean, I, I also didn't have high expectations of it, but I, I don't know. It's so overall, it was like, I felt, 
kind of confused and, and I shouldn't be doing this, but like going through my head, like this is a guy who has like everything, like every, every bit of time he can to spend on music as a, as a renowned musician, uh, which like, again, you know, the argument is always like, well, he does whatever he wants, but, and you know, that's fine. But I listened through this thing and almost every single track was like, man, it just feels like there's a lot of button pushing going on here. A lot of like trigger that loop, trigger this loop, use the same thing, use the same loop, same type of percussion from the other track, speed it up, do this stuff. Like, let's just get this thing out. Uh, even though I didn't have expectations, I'm, I'm still disappointed. Um, and we haven't gone in detail and I, I won't do that just yet, but man, I, I can't think of a single track that I'll want to listen to again. And at least a Moonshape pool had one or two. Uh, but man, there's, there's like nothing that I can, and even if I were having a strictly like a dance party, there's so much better stuff to put on. Like it doesn't even serve that purpose for me. Uh, so I'm just confused. Like I'm, I'm confused as to what, like why it's so hard to just like spend more time on the things that actually make this thing stand out. Cause I feel like that should be your job. If you're selling something, it should be your job to at least stand out a little bit. Maybe I'm also a little offended because I actually had to buy this thing. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't. You did? I, I did. I bought, I bought this album uh, for 10 bucks. Uh, and it's an album that I'll never listen to again. I, I cannot, I can't think of an opportunity in which I would ever listen to it again. Yeah. So, you know, there's some stuff I like on this. I like the opener and I think it's a, the, so the opening song is traffic. So let's get, I'll get into it a little bit. So, you know, I, uh, I don't, I, 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 I try not to be super negative here. I think we largely agree on this. So we open up with traffic and I think, I think the song's good. This is, this is one of the ones I like. Um, and to me, this one is kind of like, you know, he's cited Aphex Twin a lot as like his favorite producer. Um, and I think his solo music, especially where he's trying to do more dancey kind of stuff, more just pure electronic kind of music, largely. I think like that point that that reference point's always been in there. And like he's trying to do this like dance thing. And, you know, one point I remember you saying when we were listening to Tom's first album, uh, The Eraser from 2006, on our episode about that, you were saying, you know, I don't think he's quite there to have, he's, he's, it's good, but he doesn't have it quite all there. So when I heard traffic, you might not agree with this, but I was like, Oh, I think he's like kind of getting what he wants. He's like, I don't think this song is incredible, but I think it's good. But it's like, I think this sounds like he's kind of finding the aesthetic. He's been trying to find this whole time. Cause this is like kind of a dancey track. It has like a little kind of bassy hook 
and then it has like the clap like this clap uh kind of breakdown section um but it's really characterized by like um some songs that are a little more dense and blended as opposed to like stripped down like a lot of his solo music has has started in the past and um you know very very processed kind of electronic sound so it's like and and still still kind of dancey with the beat so like i i i think this song when it started out i was like oh this this could be really good like uh even though i, I didn't think the song is amazing but i was like this is like a good omen to me of like he's he's finding this thing um and you know that's kind of the only song i felt i felt that way about um so do you have any opinions on traffic specifically? I have an interesting perspective on it. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, I guess that's not the one I was thinking of. Um, no, I was thinking of a different one. Track one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I don't. And that's the thing. Like, I, I, so my, my, <laughs> wow, this is going to be a great episode. It's, but that's that's the problem with talking about these tracks. It's just like there's there's not even like anything to talk about with them. They're like they're wallpapery, but in a bad way. Like mm, I don't know this this song has like a kind of floaty melody that I like. I like the breakdown with the like uh what the clap track. I I I like this song. You know I don't I don't think there's nothing to talk about. I don't know. It just it's just like eh. Like, especially as an opener, <laughs> I don't know. It just, it doesn't do anything for me. I, I mean, I really, I will say I didn't write down anything incredibly negative. There, there are tracks that I have negatives on, but this one is just, eh. I don't know. I think this one's a bop. I like this one. Um, The next two are where I start to get disheartened. Um. These two, I agree with you on. I don't think these two. So these tracks are uh, what? Last I heard, he was circling the drain. Is that what that song is called? Uh, and uh, twist. Yep. Um. So, both of these songs have kind of the same vibe as traffic. Um, kind of. There's like a little bit of a groovy element there, but also like kind of this you know dark, dark darkness to it. Um. But unlike Traffic, these songs I don't think have anything from a songwriting perspective or from the perspective, you know, there's there's not a hook in these songs. Uh, There's not a catchy melody or a bass line or a drop even. Uh, Man, these two songs really do not have a lot going on. Um, Last I heard, I think... See, that's... I feel about this one the way you feel about traffic. I don't, I don't know how to talk about this track because I, I really do not think it it goes anywhere interesting. Um, there's not an interesting beat, uh, you know. There's not an interesting melody. Um, twist gets to... I mean, Twist's hook, I guess, is like this repetitive, like, uh, manipulated sample of Tom saying the word twist, like twist, 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 twist all this, like... And that's just not enough to sing a song. It's, it kind of sounds like an experiment. Um, uh, it's kind of a forgettable melody in there. There's kind of a nice little moment where the synth kind of blossoms into these like warm chords kind of halfway through the song. But the song's also over seven minutes long of just uh, uh, not a lot going on, man. So 
you know, so so here here's here's where I agree with you a little bit. So with with tracks two and three, I think there's really there's really not much there to talk about. I I, I think I I think there's you know. I, I like to think this is this is for someone who who really gets it, and I I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe it's not something about this isn't for me. And there's something I'm not getting, but I can't I I can't find anything about these tracks that I really enjoy. So, all right, two, yep. Uh, started off, I you know, interesting little synth chord progression, but then after you hear that progression, uh. I don't know, like three, four times. It's like, oh, this is going to go for the whole song, isn't it? And it fucking does with the exception of like little samples and shit coming in here and there. Uh, and this gets to like kind of my, this is, uh, I, I'm a bad person to judge this album because like I don't generally like electronic or dance music for one fundamental reason, which is that like there's, there is inherently no linearity to it other than like build to a high point and then drop. But there's not even really that in. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't, I don't even think these are good as like dance fun dance tracks. Like I think he got lost in like trying to make something that was like (sighs) groovy, but still had high art. So like, he lost the things that were fun about either of those or good yeah. about either of those. Maybe here. I, I do have one good thing to say in the album twist. Um, I don't, I don't really like any of the songs in this album and I wouldn't even say that I like this track, but the ending of twist actually, let, let me get, let me get to that after I talk about the negatives of this track. This is, this is when I first started to really feel like he's literally just clicking buttons in Ableton. And this, like, if I were to describe this album in any way, it's, it's button music. It's button pushy music. It's, he's loaded up some samples and now he's done his work. He's done. He's like, I don't care about this anymore. I'm just going to click this one in here, click this one out, click this one in here, click that one out. Uh, so the whole, the whole track feels like that. There's, there's no really like organic, movement through it where i feel like there's there's life to this track it's just like a like literally if you loaded this up you could make a robot do it and i guess that's kind of like dance music in general but dance is supposed to fill you with life and this just feels so lifeless uh until the second half um i do i like the 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 texture the introduction of the piano i thought you know okay that's at least a little bit interesting um and and to me like i have to relate it back to you know one of his like best solo works his only good solo work to be honest the eraser where at that time he was doing electronic music in his own way you know he wasn't good at using his tools but he found a way that worked for him and he had an original voice on it uh and with almost all these tracks and every single moment on all these tracks, it doesn't feel like there's an original Tom York voice on this. It feels like any one of my friends could work with Ableton and come up with something far better. And that's, I, I know that's such a petty argument to make cause I have nothing to back that up, but like that, that seriously feels like the case. Like it's, it's not really a lot of work put into it. It's just like a lot of like, I, I have time. This is what I'm going to throw up. But when he gets into the second half and you start to get that piano and you start to see like, okay, this is this is maybe what Tom York would do here. I, I kind of like that. I like hearing a little bit of his actual voice in here. Um, 
And I also, I remember thinking when I was listening to this, this would be a good place for Tom to not sing in falsetto. Please do not sing in falsetto over the second half because you're in a good register. Like sing in a lower chest voice. I love his lower range voice. He uses it so well. And he does. And he hits that mark. And I was so excited to see that. It was like, I got I to gotta check this because like this is something that he did well on this album. He switches to his lower voice, and I love how he uses his texture of his voice there. A boy on a bike who is running away. An empty car in the woods. And then it actually gets better for me, because then it goes into the end, like the last minute of the track, a whole new chord progression. And I, I got chills similar to hearing Sail to the Moon. Uh, because it's actually a similar chord progression and it, it felt well designed, well placed and a good ending to this track that was otherwise pretty abysmal. <laughs> so that I will say it right now is the best thing I have to say about this album. There was actually a really good moment at the end of twist that if I were to listen through this album again, I would skip through the first half of Twist and go straight to the ending and listen to nothing else in this album. After Twist, we have Dawn Chorus. This is one of the tracks from the film. Maybe one of the tracks that stands out the most on this album because it has such a different uh, sound. Uh, it's the most, it's probably the most stripped down track we have. It's just kind of some uh, soft synth chords and uh, kind of just like these very lyrical low uh, Tom vocals. He doesn't go up high, pretty mono, monotone. Like, um, I don't know. It's like, uh, it like has, it has this cadence to it. Um, it's, and you know, we have a little bit more electronic textures in it, but to me, this, uh, this is almost kind of like a mood piece, like, uh, you know, very much about the lyrics, I think, as much as the music here, because this is one of the only tracks where the lyrics have, have such an emphasis. Back up the call of sad. Come on, do your work. I, th- I think this track is pretty good, um, but it's it's good in like a kind of background music way. In fact, one of my notes was like, this was perfect background music in the short film. And like, it sounds like it was made to be a soundtrack almost like it's just uh, it's it's fine. But this is not a track, you know, I'm never going to like put this one on. But like if this was playing in the background, like I, as I was listening to this track today, I was like, this is like perfect montage music for like a film. <laughs> like it's just like. It sounds like it needs something to go with it. That like this is set to something. Like I, uh, you know, and it's fine on that end. Uh, I mean, even just that it was broken up from you know the twelve minutes that is last I heard in Twist, which were which were hard for hard for me to get through. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was even just welcome for that, even if this track does even also go on a little long. What do you think about uh, what do you think about Don Chorus? Um, I. I liked it more in the film. The film, I think, actually ruined this track for me because I, I just, I knew the context of it, and now it just felt like a, yeah, like a film track. Um, I don't think he needed to say a fucking word through the whole thing. Like, why did he need to open his mouth and start singing? 
it was so much better without him singing slash mumbling mm. through it. Um, I don't think I I don't think I agree. I like the words, I, and I like like that it is just like this monotone, like almost it almost has like a spoken word quality to me. I mean, I I, I get that, and I'm I'm normally not against that, but the the film and the scene was already doing so much visually to tell a story. I didn't need Tom York telling me what was happening or telling me what his emotion was. It just it was distracting. But then, like, without the film, like, that wouldn't be enough to stand on its own music. Why not? Tree Fingers? <laughs> Tree Fingers is, like, one-tenth of the length of... Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I was thinking of Hunting Bears. Poppy uh, No Good this, by this Terry Riley? I don't know that song off the top of my head, but... I mean, they, with, this is not, like, a new thing. Like, there's plenty of just, like, synth... This doesn't strike me as, like, an ambient piece. I don't know. Well, like... but so, uh, but that's another point to bring up. Like, so I, I think... And I think I have a note for this somewhere. I, I've gotten this impression from, like, even a moonshape pool that Tom's voice has been used as a replacement for doing anything else so even though the track as it is without the voice might be kind of lame and dull i don't think that adding a spoken word thing over that makes it a complete piece like i and there are tracks that i think spoken word over are brilliant and if done well it's great to listen to because the the music and the spoken voice works well together to me it just feels like almost an excuse to not have to work to add something to make the rest of the piece grow sure yeah i can i can see that i can see i think there's more that they could have done with the music Mm. but they just didn't do it and instead what they did was they just had tom york talk over it yeah yeah i can see i can see that i can see that a little more um yeah i mean it's you know it's a track that um yeah, it does feel like it, it could have a little more going on. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't even love this track. It's, I, I did it's, like it's, it in the film. That's, that's like, I, I want to yeah. make that clear. I, I loved when I heard it, and in the film, I didn't feel like his voice needed to be there because the visuals were already bombarding your mm. senses. We, we didn't need mm. to have this dialogue. Like, mm. um, all right. Well, moving on from that, so. We kind of get into the back half of this album now. Um, after Don Chorus, we have I'm a Very Rude Person. Um, this track was kind of, is also kind of a breath of fresh air to me a little bit. Because um, it has like a tangible groove to it, uh, like a tangible beat. Um, it's it's like a short little track. It almost feels, almost feels like an interstitial kind of halfway through the album. Um, you know, again, nothing mind blowing here, but like, this is the one also I think maybe sounds the most one of the ones that sounds the most radio heady. I mean, you know, not, nothing blowing my mind here. I think this is like a three minute track, you know, kind of a short, sweet little little groove. And that's that's kind of all it is. And I, I, I like it fine for that. I'm into it. Um, I, I thought it started cool. Um, I like the little thing of like the voices, like the harmonies and like parallel fits kind of creating a texture. Uh, and then it just like, doesn't do a whole lot. 
Uh, and it, another big problem I have with a lot of the tracks on this is like Tom York's like actual vocal melodies are just like not very interesting. Yeah, I agree. Um, there's not there's not a lot of good hooks on this or any hooks on this barely at all. I, I mean, it's and it's and it's kind of similar to what we were just saying, where it's like it just feels like he thinks it needs to be there to call it a song. Like he needs his voice to be in it to like like send a message, but he just keeps sending it in this like hall high falsetto crooning type thing with no like real melody to it. Uh, like there is there is a melody, but it's like so disjunct and just like it just feels like he's just thre- like he's he's attempting a Bob Dylan esque type of writing style where it's more about the message than it is about the actual melody uh and it's just it's not working for me and and i another Mm. thing about his his range on this thing uh like i pointed out his low range being used very well on twist man he's just in falsetto the whole time and he's just he's painting himself in a hole like it's it's really hard for him to break out of that falsetto and sing any interesting melody because he's just so stuck up there and his his voice just starts to honestly get annoying yeah um yeah i don't think his voice is used very well on this i mean i i I just don't want to have too much of a broken record moment because i think like at the heart of it like he's just not singing interesting melodies on this like you know i i wouldn't have a problem with i i don't like look for or notice that as much as you do if it's like oh he's like locked in this range whatever he could be doing something better but it's like if he was singing better hooks or more interesting melodies, I'd be, I'd be a lot more into it, but yeah, it's like, it's like his voice kind of like you said, it's like, he feels like he just has to put it there. So it's present and it's just, so it is there. And I I kind of agree with you on that point. He doesn't, he doesn't, there's the only song I think has a melody. The only song looking at this list that man, that I can even really think of the melodies of are traffic, which I like the melody in that song. I think that song is good. And then Don Chorus, because it's like monotone. <laughs> like almost all these other tracks, I barely remember the melodies. Like I think about the grooves kind of and, and the bass and stuff. Um, and I can recall them, but yeah, just not a lot going on there. Um, so, all right. After that, um, we go to track six, I believe. Uh, so we're on Not The News. Um, so this is the track that opens the short film um set to the the musical number of the train um this is another one i like pretty well um it's fine um it's it, this is kind of like the return to the dance floor kind of feel that the first three tracks gave us in fact I kind of think like if this was the track two for me personally, it would have gotten this album off to a much better start. And I even would maybe forgiven some of the tracks I really, really don't like. Um, Cause I like this track. I think this is one of the better dance tracks on the record. Um, and it, I, again, I don't think it's great, but it has like, you know, if I'm looking at this, like it's a dance track, it has a really sweet, like bass drop in it. That's like engaging. Um, so if this was a one-two punch with traffic and it wasn't traffic and then two tracks I didn't like, I think it would have put a better taste on my mouth from the beginning on here. And, you know, this track I still just think is, like, fine. Um, I think it's better than Last I Heard. I think it's better than Twist. Um, 
but still not great but it's like i can bump i can bop my head to this track i can listen to this and like you know like if this was on a scenario where i was in a grocery store in my car this song comes on i would bop my head to it like i I, i'm not offended by this but it's not uh you know it's it's not a track i'm gonna put on or anything either the one note i have for this track other than that it's in the film is that it reminds me of earthbound Hmm. There's something about the the textures. Tom York also does this thing where he has like a really long attack on like a snare drum uh, that makes it, it's kind of like this shh, 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 uh, almost more of like a kibasa sound. Uh, but then that mixed with like the higher pitch, like reminds me of Earthbound, like a battle on Earthbound. <laughs> Dude. Uh, I, I hate to say it. I have nothing. I have. I, I don't have much more to talk about on this. I, I'm again. It's another one I won't listen to. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't blame you. I, I, I this is like, I mean, it's kind of sad when like one of my points on why I like this one more was because it was inoffensive to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. I mean, this track is fine. Uh. Yeah, but it's also like you know house music at a venue or something is what it sounds like. Um, So after not the news, we get to my other real low point on the album for similar reasons to twist uh, the X. Um, Man, I don't think this song has anything interesting going on, man. Um, It's not even the interesting thing I had for this one. It sounds like uh, a part of silent Hill. Yeah. So man, I mean like, Twist has that vocal sample at the beginning. It's like, that's something. I don't even like that, but Jesus, this song doesn't do anything, man. It's like, um, as a really, really simple beat that I, if I remember, I think it's like kind of a double timey kind of beat or it's like, just like kick, kick, snare, kick, kick, snare, or something really simple like that. Um, man, is this, this is a, almost a seven minute song. There is not like a, a, anything interesting musically to be had it's just long and repetitive it doesn't have a lot mm. of peaks or valleys it doesn't have melodies to speak of like man this is where i'm like what is he doing with this man why would he make a seven minute track like this jesus yeah this this is probably my low point man i i really especially like i was like um like with the last two tracks is like i like these tracks fine maybe this is the end of like me hating like you know maybe the only ones i didn't love were two and three or those were the only ones I really didn't like at all. And then near the end, he comes back in with this and it's like, man, this, this is a big downer for me here. Um, I the, like initially like the first 30 seconds of this track, I was like, Oh, okay. This one could be good. And then it was like, Oh, okay. You're going to do that the whole time. Huh? Uh, and then the vocals come in and then it just like makes it so uninteresting and mysterious. Uh, it completely ruins whatever effect the synths had. Like I thought the synths have a cool sound. Uh, it, it again also has a very nostalgic sound to me because of Silent Hill 2. It feels like the hotel level in Silent Hill 2 after you find out your wife, you killed your wife. <laughs> um, but other than that, it's just like, again, it's like, why Tom, like, why are you singing on this again? Like, do I need to hear your voice that bad? that you need to like keep singing to replace whatever else could have been there. It's not helping these songs. It's just like, it's talky, but in it like a very not interesting way. 
Yeah. Um, Let's move on. <laughs> All right, yeah. Im- Impossible Knots is my least favorite track on this. Wow, really? This yes. is my favorite song on the album. Damn it, Mac. Why don't you like this song? It is, it's so fucking, like, cheesy. It's it's everything I don't like about Tom York's on this album, Tom York's voice on this album, to 10. Uh, it's just, like, falsetto that has no impact anymore, and then, like, a delay that, to like, kind of attempts to do, like, a simulated counterpoint, but doesn't land. It doesn't, like, it doesn't feel like it's reaching like anything mm. like the the effects on it are just like so basic it has this like drum groove that makes you think like okay this is going to be a new track and then you get this like cheesy bass line that is the like simplest thing for a man writing music for the past 25 years to have come up with more than that <laughs> i mean i i like that bass line that's one of the things i like about this track i really dislike that bass line i think it's so cheesy I don't know. I think it walks, it moves. It's like a tone. It's like a mood. I like it. Well, you played jazz bass in high school. <laughs> I guess it. I guess I um, give you a leg up. Yeah, I don't know. Like my my thing. So my main thing I read about the, down about this track is. This is the only track on the album that immediately grabs you. Like those drums stand out and it's like, "Oh, this is a thing." Like it's, Well, but I I felt yeah. that like it did yeah. grab me. Yeah. And then it let me loose after 30 seconds. Mm. Um yeah, so I mean, I didn't even write anything about the vocals on this song in my notes. Um I just think like the rhythm section is good on it. And for it's this, this and traffic are my two high are my two highlights. And I'm like, Oh, I like, like, uh, you know, near the end, there's something else I like on here. Um, this is one of the two songs I, I did a, the, uh, added to my like liked songs playlist was, was traffic and impossible nuts. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it doesn't fit very well with anything else on the album. Uh, it maybe goes in kind of with, I'm a very rude person, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I like this track. After that, we have Runway Away. And this is the last track on the album. This is another track that feels kind of Radiohead-y to me. Um, a little bit. We have uh, kind of, I wrote it down, it's the return of the Polk Pull Revolving Doors voice. It's like the oh, exact yeah. same voice, mm-hmm. uh, which is maybe the only reason I think it sounds Radiohead-y. And the thing I read about that is, again, like, at least this is, a it's like a gimmick, which I'm not using that necessarily in a negative way. And it's like, at least this song has a gimmick. It's like, this is the song with the robot voice, you know? And it's like, that's something that stands out about this song and makes it unique, which I cannot say about a lot of these songs. So I, I like that. This song also has some really noticeable live strings on it that I think sound uh, pretty... Um, I kind of get like fitter, happier vibes from this from this track as well. Uh, the OK Computer track. Um, I think it's kind of questionable as a closer. It's not really a strong closer, and it kind of ends. You're like, oh, it was fine. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean that's my notes on this song. What do you what do you think about this last track? So I wouldn't say that that's the biggest gimmick of this track. Uh, I think the bigger gimmick is that it's it's very reminiscent of a track by the Beatles called "Within You, Without You." Oh uh, yeah, in that it's like it's take it's taking a lot of influence from like you know like classic Indian raga. Uh, which was done at least a little bit more respectfully on within you without you. But in this, it's, it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. Like it was, it was trying to do some of that sound and kind of the tonality and the, the modes it was using, but not really. And I'm not saying it has to pay respect to Indian ragas, uh, but it was like, what? Like, why are you doing this? Like, wh- how does this? How does this fit? How? How are you going to develop this? And from the very beginning, the guitar is kind of doing this thing that, if it would have developed, I would have had a lot more respect for it. At least trying something a little bit different. But it doesn't even develop. It then just kind of drops that idea and then goes into something else, and then kind of fiddles around with a little bit of the same tonality, but then just like. <laughs> It, it's it's so disjunct it felt like there was like no consideration for like how how is this gonna work like he again it's like he dug himself into a hole like i have this idea that's not very strong i'm just gonna see what happens and it did not work mm-hmm. um yeah it's it's fine um so i mean <laughs> yeah it's fine it's it's fine it's fine um so all right, so we're at the end of here. Um, should we go ahead and wrap this bad boy up? I mean, you know, our final final impressions, rankings, etc. Oh yeah, I'm I'm done with it. <laughs> sure, yeah, me too. So you know, I didn't ha- I didn't have high hopes for this as I as I said I'm I've, I'm not the biggest fan of his solo work outside of the Eraser and but you know still this dude I I love so much as a part of Radiohead even though even Radiohead's last album I didn't I didn't love I was like maybe maybe this is the return. And, you know, it, it it definitely wasn't that for me. And, you know, I mean, the truth is, like, uh, my perspective. And, you know, if you like this, that's great. Like, I, I really, really hope someone out there really, really loves this. And this was well-reviewed. Pitchfork gave this album best new music. Um, So, you know, and similar to Moonshade Pool, you know, well-reviewed. People people really like this, apparently. It's, 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 it's just not for me. I don't care for it. Um. And, you know, it it almost, especially with traffic, it's like, oh, this sounds like he's kind of, like I said, reached the thing he's been trying to do. And then, I mean, there's some songs that really um, don't do a lot for me. Some of these really long dance tracks, Twist and, and uh, The Axe. And um, even beyond that, I think this is kind of like tonally all over the place. I mean, there's those first three tracks and then, and the acts that kind of go together and then impossible knots and not the news are kind of a completely different vibe. Uh, and I'm a very rude person. Those are all kind of two di- completely different tones. And then we have these kind of, you know, uh, just outliers and the other tracks. And so, you know, um, I love the short film. I love the, the idea exists that that's out there um, and that they made that. Um, and I really, really enjoy that. And, and I guess that's my silver lining for this album is, you know, it, it provided the soundtrack and, and the music and the inspiration to this, this video piece that I really enjoy. Um, 
but overall um uh, other other than than for me the two tracks i i said which are traffic and impossible knots are the high points for in my opinion i you know I don't see myself ever listen now that I've listened to it twice for this podcast. I don't see myself ever playing this all the way through again, uh, unless you know someone pays me or something. Yeah. Um, so you know, I still love Tom. I still I, I I'm starting to get into get into the mindset that at this point he'll he'll maybe never do anything I I truly love again. But you know, he gave me years and years and albums and albums of music I, I truly love. So I, I I can never be too mad at him. He I love I love the man still. If I'm ranking this, <clears throat> well, it's 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 at the bottom. It's below every Radiohead album. Um, I would prefer Moonshape Pool to this because Moonshape Pool has a handful of tracks I really love, and this doesn't have anything I love. Um, as far as Tom's solo albums. I think I I put Eraser first. <clears throat> I think I would then I would go Adams for Peace and then I would put this above um Tomorrow's Modern Boxes, which I think is just almost entirely forgettable. There was one track on that one I remember liking, but um that one I really I really <laughs> think is even less <laughs> uh I think I think Tomorrow's Modern Boxes is even more forgettable than this in my my opinion. Um all right, that's that's mine. It's and Tom solo albums. It's second to last. Uh, Mike, your your final thoughts on Anima? If I could sum it up, it's not a great dance album. It is. It's not. I. I its purpose, I believe, is to be uh, something you could throw on and enjoy getting down to. Uh, I don't think you can even do that. And I think that was maybe the best thing that it had going for it. And it failed on that front, um, which is again, just a disappointment. Um, the, the only moment that I enjoyed, which is the least dancey moment on the album, because again, I don't typically like dance albums anyways, uh, was the last minute of twist because it gave me, it honestly, reached into me and brought something uh akin to sail to the moon out of me but uh other than that i don't know why this exists so what a bummer where do you rank it with tom's albums did you already say uh (laughs) dead last (laughs) dead last you like tomorrow's water boxes more than this uh yeah i did um i at least thought that tomorrow's modern boxes did at least some more interesting things the electronics and this in its nature wasn't trying to be as experimental but ultimately just ended up being nothing Mm -hmm. it's just nothing yeah yeah there's there's not a whole lot here you know if i put this in the car if i if i put this on in the car it would be one that like people would be turning down to talk over. Mm. No, like nobody would want this on. And that sucks. There's nothing interesting to listen to. Well, I mean, Hey, most people disagree with this here. (laughs) Best new music. Pitchport gave this best new music. (laughs) Pitchport. That's crazy, man. I mean, it is crazy. Pitch perfect four with Tom pork. I mean, you know, part of me, you know, I think an element of this is, when we were younger, we were more impressionable. We loved 
we we i mean i do think it's obviously better music but it's like oh don't make the argument that we would have the same opinion on the eraser um no i'm i mean like i don't think we would hate it as much as if as we do if uh the eraser is if we were good. younger if we were younger and this came out i'm not talking about the eraser you know <laughs> i i mean i agree with you to an extent like that you know it's hard to separate yourself from uh like a, a comparing it to something like the eraser and like now with like more of the like wanting a little bit more but man this like trying to look at this objectively as i can like it, it doesn't even come close yeah well there's, i mean there's if, no there's no journey here if i was introduced to this when i was younger like i was the eraser maybe i would like be more open to it and like not as set in my my ways of what i wanted from it and what i liked about music in general uh but who knows that's a, that's a hypothetical so i as of now i don't like it so um well geez sorry uh sorry to come back and and be like this everyone <laughs> um oh that's all right i had fun yeah i had fun too all right we each need to say one thing that we like about tom york <laughs> i think he has a nice personality that's mine his eye is getting better his eye is getting better um i like the short film and also I think he has some funny moments in the short film where he's like, ha he like smi he sees the bag and he like smiles and it's like all canned. I think that's really funny. Anyway. All right. Well, we're almost at the two hour mark. So let's wrap this up. Mike, do you have anything you'd like to plug or promote right now? Anything going on with you? Just the album that I'm hoping to record this weekend. That's it. Cool. And, um, Mike, uh, people can find your music on Bandcamp, including this new album, whenever it's released on uh, Slim Magnificence. Is that right? Uh, I believe that's correct. Yes. Yeah. Maybe check and make sure that's right. If we have to, uh, you know, cut in. Yeah, and let, let, let me see here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I'm working on some new music, too. Uh, if you look on Bandcamp at 4Elise, F-O-R-E-L-Y-S-E. You'll find my solo stuff. It's all just, you know, uh, some individual songs right on there. You'll find an EP, a collab EP that Mike and I made on there. Um, full album being recorded. It'd probably still be, oh man, if I'm being honest, better part of a year before it's out. Um, so as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I've been trying to uh, work in more freelance film as my, uh, my last job in TV ended. Um, so I'm still pursuing some other opportunities. But if you um are interested in seeing any videos i've made uh or seeing my demo reel and maybe have video needs of your own um uh, going over to MacHoskins.com. that's m-a-c-k-h-o-s-k-i-n-s.com uh you know watch my reel if you like my reel watch some of my other videos if you like some of my other videos uh maybe pay me to make some videos for you you can have some of the same ones uh you can catch some of my music on there um, there's a special sneak peek of a scene from Ollie, my upcoming musical film. Um, you'll find the soundtrack for Ollie, which you can buy. Um, you'll find uh, some of my other music. Uh, basically, just like my my creative hub is that website. So, uh, MacHoskins.com for for all your creative needs, and uh, especially if you uh, want to give me money. Um, 
Well, if you have any feedback for the podcast, want to get in touch with us, let us know something, anything you want to turn us on to, uh, please email us at someone listening in at gmail.com. Um, I guess subscribe and review us and rate us five stars on iTunes, right? I mean, maybe we'll be a sleeper hit and not put out any more episodes for like two years and then become a huge hit, right? That can happen. I mean, what else would um, we talk about? Hmm. I mean, I like talking about Earthbound. Want to do an Earthbound podcast? Gonna do an Earthbound podcast before the Zelda podcast that I keep asking you about. <laughs> I don't think I do it. This is a conversation for off the air. <laughs> no, but this All is right. the seed. This you'll, they'll, they'll track it back to this and say like, "Oh, I was listening to the Radiohead podcast, and I'm listening to the Zelda one." <laughs> oh, good. Uh, by, oh, by the way, it's MikeDriscoll.bandcamp.com. It's not some magnificent, but my gotcha. name is Slip Magnificent on there. Gotcha. Oh, I don't know if that's true for me either. Um, anyway, Google Mac Hoskins or on Bandcamp rather search Mac Hoskins or for Elise. You'll find my stuff. You'll find my stuff on my website. Well, Mike, I think that about does it, right? I mean, I think we're at the end of our of our journey here. Yeah, I'm worn out. It's been two hours. Jesus. It's, it's been two hours and who knows when we'll be back, you know? I, I think it'll be two years. I think it'll be a couple years you know, before we have anything else to talk about, but I mean, you know, sorry, Tom York didn't give us great content to talk about. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe when we're, when we come back, we'll have something that we really love to talk about. Maybe we'll have another guest. I have a feeling um, it won't be Radiohead for a while. <laughs> if there's yeah, any we'll good see. content out there, it might not be Radiohead or its affiliates. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. Um, maybe we'll talk about something else, but who knows yet? We'll, we'll have to talk about that off air. So until then, um as always thank you for giving us your time and thank you for listening in bye bye there's someone listening in.